Hello again. We're pleased you've been able to tune in to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. Welcome to the program. For the righteous, this is Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16. Now, hopefully, if you get this, you realise not every decision you make will be the wisest, rightest, goodest, best decision you can make. How many times in any given day do you have to make a decision? And many of those will be small decisions about what to wear and eat and so on. But what about those weightier decisions that affect our life on a larger scale and potentially those around us? Decisions about who we share life's journey with and lifestyle choices we make to name just two. Let's join Dr. Corbett now as he looks at wise decision making and we'll discover there are some key elements we absolutely must consider. Well, thank you for coming out tonight. If you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of Proverbs. And I trust that I'll be talking about something that is relevant to every one of us. And I can guarantee you, we all have to participate in this activity. Uh, I don't know how many of you regularly read through Proverbs. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs, one for each day of the month, and it's uh, a, a really interesting exercise to read through. I was commenting to Kim on the way here that whenever I think today is the whatever day of the month, I just think, Oh, Proverbs 27 verse 1, I know what that is, you know, do not boast about tomorrow. So all the, all the Proverbs sort of stand out to me that, that um, we, uh, I associate the first verse with the day of the month now. So anyway, just by the way, that's what happens when you read it and read it, read it. All right, let's pray. Father, as we open your word, may it open our heart. May it shed light into our soul. May it give us a clarity of understanding to be able to navigate the challenges of life, maybe just a little bit better. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to talk about the art of decision-making. All of us have to make a decision. Um, sometimes, and one of the things I've noticed is that sometimes people are terrified to make decisions. And it, it, it actually can lead to, I think, depression, because you, you get locked into a, a thing where you just don't know what to do and it can create tremendous uncertainty and it can create a sense of anxiety about the future and what if I make a mistake? So tonight I'm gonna to give you five principles that we see in the book of Proverbs on, on how we can make wise decisions. So as we go through, I hope that you'll you'll be able to glean something from this. My hero, F.W. Borum, said this, we make our decisions, then our decisions end up making us. So the choices you make in life are the things that will shape your life. This morning we heard from two of the candidates who were baptised. That's a, that's a profound comment. We heard from our baptism candidates this morning the decisions that they made and how they shaped their lives. One of them made a commitment based on observing her parents and observing the church, the community of believers, and it caused her to make a decision to serve Christ from a young age. The other one had got caught up in the wrong crowd and uh, was able to, you know, in talking about how much 
he should share this morning because he had a lot of his mates here who were the wrong crowd. Uh, he wanted to make sure that he didn't identify them as the wrong crowd because he wanted them here for his baptism and he didn't want to you know, make them feel uncomfortable. How do you make decisions? Is, do you have a system? Do you have a way that you think through, this is how I'm going to decide what's, what's right, what's wrong? And here's the question that I have found with, with many Christians. They actually delegate their decision-making to God. Hmm. Don't know if you've ever heard it phrased that way, but does God expect that his children should ask him to tell them what decisions they should make? Now, it's a question, and I want you to think it through. Because the, the, the answer I'm going to give to that is no, which might surprise you because it sounds like I've just said, don't seek God for wisdom, and I haven't said that at all. In fact, I am saying that, and I'm saying that God's word teaches us that people need something in particular to make good decisions. And what do you think that is? Wisdom. That's right. That's exactly right. So what it's not is a word from God. Now, I'm not saying God's not going to direct you. I'm not saying you'll never get a word from God and you should act in obedience. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that there are decisions that we are expected by God to make that require wisdom rather than a direct word from God. You may have heard of the man who went to his wardrobe before he went to work and he opens his wardrobe and he says, Dear Lord, what clothes should I choose today? And he, did, he heard the word of God, a distinct word from God, and it was this. I'm your father, not your mother, you choose. No, that's a joke, by the way, but... But it illustrates the point that sometimes we, we, we are afraid to make a decision because we think we need a word from God to, to make that decision for us. Here's what Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 5 says. Get wisdom, get insight, do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. And this is wisdom personified who is talking. Proverbs 4 verse 6, do not forsake her and she will keep you, love her, and she will guard you. So this is wisdom personified as a woman. And I'm going to refer to her as Lady Wisdom. Right, the book of Proverbs itself states that it actually reveals that it is a source of wisdom. So if we want wisdom, you're going to go a long way to start to find it if you become a regular reader of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 3.13, blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her, verse 14, is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her, verse 15. So when we look at Proverbs, we need to treat this like any other book of the Bible and this is called exegeting. It's when we get something out of the text. The danger is when we approach the text to put something into it. That's called eisegeting. Eisegeting, putting into the text. But exegeting is getting out of the text. And that's what we need to do. To do that, we'd have to do a couple of things. And I'm going to ask you these questions as it comes to the book of Proverbs itself. Firstly, we determine who it's written to. So if I was to ask you, who's Proverbs written to? Then don't answer that question 
too quickly because our impulse is to say, well, it's written to us. And I'm actually going to say, none of the books of the Bible are written to us. They're written to someone, but not to us. And if you think I just said it's not written for us, you've misheard me. Everything in God's word is for us, but it wasn't written to us. So sometimes when, we're wanting, when we want to understand a book of the Bible, we have to, here's the word picture, look over the shoulder of the original reader and see with their eyes what they're seeing in the text. And I want to do that to Proverbs in just a moment. Secondly, we have to determine its original intention. So we ask the question, who was Proverbs written to? When was Proverbs written? Or I'll show you, and I hope to show you, it was actually not a book that was written. It was a collection of sayings that was brought together by someone, almost certainly brought together by Ezra. Ezra the, the, the scribe. So what was the original intention? Wisdom itself says this, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20. Wisdom cries aloud in the street, in the markets she raises her voice. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 21. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. So I've mentioned that wisdom in the book of Proverbs is depicted as a woman. And I'm going to refer to this woman as Lady Wisdom, just for identification. Did you notice in Proverbs chapter 1 when it says, wisdom cries aloud in the streets, it's at the entrance of the gates. It sounds like it's written to someone who's about to go on a journey. It could be a journey into the city. In fact, in this instance, it is. If you read through Proverbs, you'll see this is actually a book that is, that is presented as a father giving his son some directions, some instructions for a journey his son is about to take. So through the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs, you'll, you'll, hear, you'll, you'll hear and you'll read this all through those first nine chapters. Listen to my voice, my son. It will say something like this, a wise son listens to his father. It's the father's instruction. A father is instructing his son. The book of Proverbs was actually put together in a period known as the exile. The exile happened after Nebuchadnezzar came and took the, the initial first wave of Jews, included Daniel and Ezekiel and these guys. And then the second wave included those who were contemporaries of Jeremiah. And you'll, you'll remember that Jeremiah had the option to go to Babylon and he elected not to. And so those Jews that went from Jerusalem and Judea off to Babylon, we now, when we look at the book of Proverbs, realise generations have gone by. They've become enculturated. They now speak a different language. When they left, they spoke Hebrew. When they came out of the exile, they spoke Aramaic, a blend of Arabic and Persian and a little bit of Hebrew. It's different. It's a slightly different language. That's one of the languages that the Bible is written in, Aramaic. It's almost certainly, the, well, almost positively, it's the language that Jesus spoke. He would have spoken Greek. He would have spoken Aramaic. 
And one of the Aramaic words that we have in the New Testament, Jesus uses to talk to his father. What was that word? Abba. Abba. It's an Aramaic word, not a Hebrew word. So what's happened is most of the Jews, when the exile was pronounced as over by Cyrus, most of the Jews were free to return to Israel. In fact, all of the Jews were free to return to Israel, but most did not. And those Jews became known as the dispersion, the diaspora, diaspora of Jews. Now, why is this important to know? Because many of them settled in North Africa. And North Africa became a centre of Greek culture, believe it or not. And the Greek culture was beginning to influence these young Jewish men. And the book of Proverbs came out as a result of this compromise that these young Jewish men were under threat from. And the whole book is the story of two young men. One of them, his father has said, I want you to go and find a wife and I want you to marry her and her name is Wisdom. The other son is told to do the same thing, but he doesn't do it. And we, we see that in, toward the end of the book of Proverbs, he describes his pain in not listening to his father. But the young man who listens to his dad is told this is what she looks like this is what she sounds like this is how you'll identify her this is how you'll discover her you'll find her and so the first nine chapters describe the benefits of wisdom lady wisdom lady wisdom is contrasted with this other woman known as the forbidden woman or i'm going to call her woman folly She's actually identified as a forbidden woman. She's a woman that tries to entice young men into sin. Not to listen to God, not to listen to God's word, not to listen to godly counsel, not to listen to your parents, but to consider that some decisions can be made that you know are wrong, but no one will ever know. <laughs> and you read about this in Proverbs. So this is the contest between these two women. Note Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 3. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is as bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. What is Lady Wisdom, this, this one who wants to be married? What is she looking for in a young man? And we find that in Proverbs 2. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. She's looking for people who fear the Lord. What does that expression mean? Some have this picture of God being a foreboding God with a big rod up there ready to belt someone if they do the wrong thing. But that's not what it means. The expression, the fear of the Lord, is someone who really wants to walk in a way that their heart says, I want to obey you. The heart, the desire of someone who walks in the fear of the Lord is to obey the commands of God. And this is what wisdom, the book of Proverbs says, will help you to get your priorities right. And when it comes to making a decision, 
It's your priorities that will help you as long as they're in right order. Proverbs 15 verse 16. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. The fear of the Lord involves humility because it involves receiving instruction. One of the nicest things you can ever say to someone who knows something more than you is, could you help me to understand this? Could you help me to understand why, how, what? It takes a humble heart to do that. Proverbs 15, verse 33. The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom and humility comes before honour. So here's five principles that we can see that this father gives to his son in how to go to the city and find this woman that he's already selected for his son as his bride. She's personified as wisdom. It's a word picture. The background and the intention of it is that these young Jewish boys, these young Jewish men who were being swayed away from their Jewish roots, swayed away from the God of Israel, swayed away from the word of God, would receive instruction from the book of Proverbs that would help them to stay true to God, the fear of the Lord. So what are the principles that we see in the book of Proverbs for making wise decisions, good decisions, better decisions? Number one, seek God's wisdom. Rather than saying, God, tell me what to do, God, help me to make the right decision. Give me wisdom to make the right decision. Wisdom is like, getting wisdom is like teaching a man how to fish. Asking God to tell you what to do is like asking God for a fish. See the difference? Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. The Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Here's the second principle that we see in the book of Proverbs for how to make better decisions, how to get wisdom. Listen to your parents. Listen to your parents. Bit of mockery coming over from the table where my daughter's sitting. Listen to your parents. You might want to write that down. Uh, it says here, hear my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Parents have wisdom. Thirdly, listen to godly counsel. What's godly counsel? Well, where do you get godly counsel from? How do you know it's godly counsel that you're receiving? Any ideas? Lines up, their counsel lines up with God's word. How do you know the person whom you're asking for this counsel is a godly person, Bob McKay. Types of people of integrity mm -hmm. when you look at their character. Mm -hmm. So they live a consistent Christian life. Correct. Anything to add to that, Mr. Harris? That sums it up. <laughs> that sums it up to me too. That's a pretty good answer. I don't think I could do better than that either. I think that's pretty good. You, you see someone whose life you can respect. You can respect that person because they're living a consistent life. That to me doesn't mean they've never made a mistake or they've never put a foot wrong or done something that perhaps they regret, but they know that when they do those sort of things that they can recover from that and they know how to recover from that. 
often it will involve making amends, offering an apology, repenting. That's the kind of person that's going to give you godly counsel. And as June said, their counsel will line up with God's word. Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. And obviously these are godly, wise advisors. Chapter 20, verse 18, plans are established by counsel, by wise guidance, wage war, seek opinion, the opinion of wise people. Number four, the fourth principle that we see in the book of Proverbs for making better decisions. Understand that some of your decisions will be mistakes. I think this is one of the things that paralyzes people from making a decision. They are afraid that they might make the wrong decision. We've all made the wrong decision. We've all chosen the wrong thing. We've all made mistakes. We should form a club, the Mistakes Club, and we'd all be in it, life members. So when you get over this emotional hurdle about making a decision, even a big decision, you realise you're going to have to just make the wisest decision you can make with the best information you can get. But it could be wrong. Have you ever made a big and wrong decision? I know, I know, I know. And I think some people do. So this is one of the reasons why I take nine months to prepare a couple for marriage. So we make sure we flush anything out like that. But some of your decisions will be mistakes. And that's actually okay. How are you guaranteed to make a wrong decision? Proverbs actually tells you. Make it quickly. Hasty. Be hasty. Make a snap decision. Uh, one of the things that salespeople really want you to do is make a hasty decision on an impulse. One of the things that frustrates, I think frustrates, Kim and my family is that when, when it comes to me making a decision about a purchase of something, I'll, I'll take my time, we'll do homework on it. Uh, the projector that we got for church, uh, that thing cost $17,000. I didn't make that decision quickly. In fact, that's been a two-year information gathering exercise. We didn't pay that much for it, by the way. That was another part of the decision. So, for the righteous, this is Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16. And hopefully, if you get this, you realise not every decision you make will be the wisest, rightest, goodest, best decision you can make but if you make it with good intentions if you make it and you then realize you've made a wrong choice there's there's things to do but it says here proverbs chapter 24 verse 16 for the righteous falls seven times and rises again but the wicked stumble in times of calamity so the righteous will recognize i shouldn't have done that but that's not the end of the story for the righteous Number five, the and by the way, I think there are 12 principles in Proverbs. We're looking at five of them. The fifth thing, understand that your mistakes are an indispensable part of learning how to make better decisions. You know what we call mistakes? Do you know what we call bad decisions? 
It's a beautiful word. It's the word experience. I'm very experienced in that, which is code for I've really stuffed up something big in the past on this. I've made mistakes. And we call it, we put, we call it experience. We now have experience. So when, the next time when someone says to you, who are you to tell me what to do? Look at what you've done in your past or whatever. And our response could reasonably be, that's how I know what I'm telling you right now. Because I've got experience in this mistake that you're about to make. Proverbs 9 verse 9. Give instruction to a wise man and he will, still, he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. So this is what mistakes can do. Mistakes can teach us things. So when you read through the book of Proverbs, you'll read principles for making better decisions. You'll, you'll read that. And you'll read these five principles and you'll read another, about another seven as well. Here's the postscript. You can actually read the book of Proverbs, all 31 chapters, actually as this story, this journey of two young men being sent off by their father to the big city to find the, the bride of his choice that he thinks this would be good for you, son. This is the woman for you. This is the one that has my approval. The postscript is the, the man, the young man, who doesn't listen to his father. He, he doesn't respond to lady wisdom. He's the one that goes after woman folly and pays a price and the pain comes out of it. And here's how Proverbs toward the end describes the journey of this man. The words of Agur, son of Jakur, the oracle. The man declares, I am weary, O oh God. I am weary, O oh God, and worn out. Surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not the understanding of a man. Does this sound like someone who's got regret? I hope it does, because this is what we see when he ignored his father's advice and he ignored lady wisdom. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One. What about the young man that listened to his father? This is who you're to look for. This is what she's looking for in a young man. Fear of the Lord, someone who's whose heart is right before God, someone whose heart is to seek wisdom. This is what she's looking for. And he finds her. And Proverbs chapter 31 is a description of the blessings that wisdom brings to this young man's life. And I'm just going to tell you, Proverbs 31 has probably condemned more women and more wives than anything else that's been distorted from Scripture because it describes a woman who barely sleeps, makes lots of money for her husband, is always making things for her children. She buys fields, she's an investor, and she's just this unbelievable woman. And most people go, there you go, women, there's the standard for womanhood. And I think it's a misread of the text. It's actually describing anyone who embraces wisdom will learn how to make decisions that bless their future. That's what good investing is. They'll learn that there are times when you have to take responsibility. She gets up early. She works for her family. She carries a responsibility. It teaches a young man to bear responsibility. It's not actually about the ideal woman, as I've heard people describe some women. Uh, there's even, I think, a ministry called Proverbs 31 ministry. You know, the Proverbs 31 woman ministry. It's like, I don't think this is fair. 
But what it is, is a description that fits this young man. That is, if I do that, there we go. Oh. That's how you make decisions that the Bible describes are going to be wiser decisions. And I hope God enables you to use those principles to make wise decisions. Let's pray. Father, help us as your people to fear the Lord. Help us to listen to godly counsel. Help us to seek out the wisdom of our parents, if they're alive, or older people whom we trust, if they're not. Help us, God, to be able to learn from our mistakes, to be able, Lord, to make better decisions because we've made wrong ones in the past. Help us, Father, to be able to live a wise life that recognises there will be times when we fail, when we make mistakes, when we drop the ball, but we know how to recover because our heart is for God and his will for our life. Now, Lord, may we know the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. God bless you. And that's all we have time for tonight. If you'd like to obtain a CD copy or premium download, please go to our website, findingtruthmatters.org, and select Wise Decision Making from our online store. You can also find the podcast by subscribing to Finding Truth Matters on iTunes, Spotify or SoundCloud. As we've heard tonight, to make wise decisions, we need wisdom. It's the fear of the Lord that helps a person get their priorities right. More from Dr. Corbett next week. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to meeting with you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.